as learning and development professionals, we're using the terms facilitation, coaching, and training a lot. And often interchangeably, sometimes we mix those terms up. But which is which? What is facilitation? What is coaching? What is training? And when should you coach or train or facilitate? Today's guest is going to help us with that. His name is Pepe Numi. He's the founder and managing director of Grape People. And that's a Finnish company which is based obviously in Finland and has helped over 15,000 students over the years, since 2003 in fact, to become facilitators. Pepe is also the author of The Handbook of Professional Facilitation, full of theory, tools, and design, approximately 450 pages covering everything you need to know to become a top professional facilitator. So in today's episode, what exactly is facilitation? Which kinds of clients of yours and mine need facilitation? What are the differences between, say, training, coaching, and facilitation? Which skills Do you need to become a world-class facilitator? And of course, which kinds of work, which kinds of challenges are best suited to facilitation as an intervention? This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show, another episode of the Training Business Podcast. This is the show for people just like you and I. If you're an active practitioner, if you are someone who calls themselves a trainer, a facilitator, a coach, or even a consultant, if you work with people, helping them to be the very best that they can be through your programs, your workshops, your expertise, then this is the show for you. And the goal of every single episode of the show, every Thursday, in fact, is to help you to start to grow and to scale your business. Sometimes we have guests on the show. Sometimes it's a solo episode like it was last week where we talked about hybrid and the implication for hybrid training in the future. Today is focused on facilitation, and it's my pleasure to welcome Pepe Numi, from Finland to the show. Pepe is the managing director and is also a trainer and active facilitator for grapepeople.com. That's grapepeople.com. I'll provide addresses, links, etc. in the show notes. And you can find today's episode both on your podcast platform of choice, as well as on our website, which is trainingbusiness.com. Pepe, hi, welcome to the show. Uh, This is absolute mark. This is my pleasure. Thank you. It's my first time having someone from Finland on the show. So right now it's two hours, you're two hours ahead of me, and it's Friday the 19th of November. So it's a chilly morning, uh, I'm sure, in in Helsinki. Well, it's not too bad yet. We don't have snow yet. The nights are freezing. Uh, During the day, we have probably plus four, plus five. It's a bit gray. So we're waiting for the winter, actually. uh, Most of us like the winter, the cold and the snow. It's beautiful. Okay, rather you than me, that's for sure. So the reason I have you on is because you're managing director of Grape People World. And it's an unusual name, I have to say, but um, you have quite a history in developing and, and training people in your part of the world. Just describe to us how you got into the training business and what Great People World does, the kinds of companies you work with and the facilitation and leadership training you deliver. So I I used to be uh, working in uh, startup companies. This was in the 90s. And I worked a lot in uh, Estonia, Russia, starting working for the big companies. And uh, I thought there was a problem. 
you know what I'm talking about in uh, Mark, uh, big organization, it's a mess. You know what I'm talking about. The people, there are power struggles, there are different opinions. Office and, politics, and yeah. Office politics, there is everything. And I actually didn't like it. And, and uh, you know, I was getting into these fights myself as well. I was in my early 30s and uh, someone told me about facilitation. That actually there are tools that make people, help people make decisions to find common direction. And, and that it doesn't have to be the way it is. And I thought this is going to save the world. And I quit my job and uh, I became a facilitator. First, I went to the States to find out what they do. Then I found the local facilitators in my own country, what they do, and started my own company. And you've written a book called The Handbook of Professional Facilitation by Pepe Numi. Uh, thank you, Mark, for mentioning that, because that's 460 pages handbook that I just got ready one month ago. Yes. That's amazing. So... To set some context here, what does the great people do? Whom do you serve? What kinds of organizations do you work with? Well, we started late 90s, early, in the beginning of the millennium. In the beginning, we were mostly facilitating. That means uh, having workshops for our clients. I'm from Finland, and that time we had a, a fastly growing company that most of the people know called Nokia, Nokia Mobile Phones. And uh, in the beginning of my career, I was facilitating everything that can be facilitated with Nokia. That was our learning platform. So that was a strategy, values, problem solving, quality, whatever you can facilitate. Also, many things we facilitated that you can't facilitate, but we tried. So uh, that was our learning platform. Nowadays, we do mostly training of facilitators. We train facilitators, we certify facilitators all around the world, mostly in Asia, Russia, Finland, in the East. Right. So that kind of brings, brings us nicely to today's topic, which is really separating the value of training and facilitation. And a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this too, often use those terms interchangeably, but you're here to tell us it's not the same thing at all at all. And one of the chapters in the book, which I focused on, and a page specifically, was the context of being neutral that when we are facilitators, we're not there to show any preference for the group's ideas. We're not there to give solutions to someone in the room. If someone's engaged us as a facilitator, not a trainer, but often we can do both. There are different skills. We can do both as competent people. A content-neutral leader is there to ensure that the workshop proceeds, that ideas are heard, they're voiced in a neutral environment. What are your thoughts about that in terms of, for people listening, first of all, separating the value of facilitation from the value of training. Okay, so let, let me first uh, explain you a couple of words about how I see the difference. And, and actually the training and facilitation, they're both valuable. They're just used for different purposes. And I'd like to just uh, explain a couple of words, give uh, maybe some examples. So first I, was, uh, I went to school and I had my favorite teacher. That was a history teacher. He was telling fantastic war stories, absolutely fantastic war stories. As a young guy, I loved his stories. And when the bell rang, school bell rang, he finished in the middle of a sentence. And the next week, he continued from that same sentence. He finished it the next week. He had a fantastic memory of stories. He even remembered his own words. But there was no process of no learning process. And I think the the trainers learned already in the 50s 
that about learning cycle, about uh, the actually the impact of the training becomes a lot stronger if you have a exercises and discussion so that that takes the learning deeper so a typical trainer would have some content and some exercises and questions to make the learning more impactful so i think this is a typical trainer has content and has some tools to kind of take the people deeper this is how i see a a trainer mark is this all right with you definition yeah i think often trainers are people who have ideas, firm ideas as to what they want to impart. They have a structure in their minds. They have a plan for the day. They have content they want to cover. And they're going to bring people who perhaps haven't expertise on their side. Facilitation, to my mind, as a facilitator, I'm there to actually help the group to decide what to discuss and in which order to discuss things, and then to find value in what they've come up with rather than what I've actually planned to tell them. Is that fair to say? Yes, exactly. I think the world has changed. Uh, Nowadays, you go to organizations, there are all kinds of experts. There is knowledge everywhere. And the question is anymore that, well, the knowledge is not always in the trainer. The knowledge is often in the group. So this is when you use the knowledge of the group. It's uh, interesting. You do leadership training, for instance. It is uh, often the the trainer who has the least experience in in leadership. So quite a common case. And uh, so... Facilitation is about using the knowledge of the group, getting everyone involved, getting their ideas, and helping them make decisions together. So I think this does not take the value of training, but the facilitation is used in a different situation. Facilitation is used when you're co-creating something. You are discussing something common, common topics. You have common problems you're solving. Maybe if the group doesn't know, you have a training for them. If they don't know, you train them. But when the knowledge is in the group, you actually use facilitations to bring up the knowledge and to make common decisions. So what kinds of subjects are natural areas where facilitation is the preference rather than training? Are there particular topics where you'd say this is something that requires facilitation more than training as an intervention? Yes, definitely. If we talk about strategy, the strategy consultants might disagree with me, but because they know. But uh, getting everyone aligned on the strategy, you actually need facilitation to to focus the people, definitely. Keep the focus. People have also a tendency of losing their focus. They start working and they start doing something else. Facilitation is about bringing the people together again to get more energy synergy and uh, team development. You cannot tell the group how to work together. They actually have to figure it out themselves and make the kind of the ground rules and and agree on the ways of working. So team development, definitely. Values, I think process development. Also, you are finding that in an organization, let's say that there is a sales process, find out kind of the the spots that uh, need to be developed and then making a plan how to do it. So process development, strategy development, team development, those are natural areas where facilitation would be quite appropriate as an intervention. Uh, those are the most common topics that I work with, and also probably innovation, innovation as well, creativity and innovation, yes. So you tell a lovely story where you talked about when you were going through certification as a facilitator, you were in a town in Slovenia, which for people who may not know where that is, that's um, down near Austria, between Austria and, say, Croatia in Europe. 
And you were at that European Conference of Facilitation. There were nine of you trying to pass that certification test. And, and you were, as a lot of people are, wearing multiple hats. You know, there were trainers, there were coaches, consultants, and so on. Five of you passed the test to become certified facilitators, but four did not. I'm curious, why was that the case? This is uh, for facilitation. I think you can make technical mistakes you can do, but probably the role of a facilitator is, is the most important thing is keeping the role. So that these four who didn't pass, they were uh, consultants. And consultants typically, when they work with groups, they actually get groups' ideas, but then they make their own decisions how to use the ideas. So they were like getting the group ideas. They were showing preferences. Hey, that's a good idea. Let, let's work and continue and work with this particular idea. They were grouping the ideas their own way. Facilitators, if they group things, if they really need to group things, uh, if they make categories, you know, you ask the people about the categories, but actually they were kind of categorizing things and, and people lose the focus and the logic when someone else is doing it for them. So in a way, facilitators almost have to be neutral, which is, I guess, the theme, which is that when we are content-neutral leaders, we're there to facilitate the group, our clients, to arrive at a decision. We might, we might provide some framework. I'm thinking of something like World Cafe, which I've run several times, but I'm helping the group to come up with their own ideas, but also helping them to decide on their own ideas. It sounds like consultants will get some information from people, but then they put their own spin on things. And that's not what facilitators do. They're there to remain completely neutral. Yes. And maybe the, the key idea behind, behind neutrality is that typical chairman of a meeting speaks 70% of the time. So it's a good way for the chairman to make decisions, but actually people are not, if someone speaks all over the world, they say it's the same, that one person speaks 70% of the time, you're not really making decisions together. You're not really using the group knowledge. And that is why you, when you remain neutral, the likelihood that you get people to speak their opinions and ideas, yes, it's much more likely to happen. Could someone use facilitation within training? I mean, could you say have a training program or a training workshop, but use facilitation as a skill within that training session? Sure. Facilitation can be, I think, the more there is adult learning, the more you can use facilitation in your training. So, for, for instance, let's say that I have a, that I have a, make a presentation about leadership. You know, the, the key, most important uh, leadership skills of a, of a modern organization, and uh, I can talk about it. After that, I can, you, Mark, you said that you use a cafe, world cafe type world of cafe, methods yeah. that is... Uh, probably the best known method in the world at the moment. You have different tables with different topics. People rotate. So you might have put your key ideas around in different tables and, and ask the people that, uh, how do you think brainstorm solutions together? How could you apply that? After doing this to the cafe, you might ask the people choose their favorites. You prioritize in the, after the cafe and uh, you start actioning. What is everyone going to do? How are they going to implement their ideas in practice? Think about it on your own with the groups, visualize the actions on the wall. So this is an, an example of, of starting. That first, you can bring your ideas, but then you use facilitation to help people think about uh, how to apply 
your ideas and solutions. So people have to change hats. We're, we're not saying to people listening, you have to become a facilitator and do nothing else. We can use these roles interchangeably. At some point, we might be coaching, then we change gears, we go into a training mode where it's more about what we say, what we think, and the structures and content we're providing. But there's a lot of value, even as a trainer, to facilitate more, to stand back from your content and to say, hang on a sec, can I get my audience to do the work here? Can I get them to think things through before I present something? Because it may not be the right thing, actually. Here's a great idea, I think, that I can see facilitation working very well in terms of training, is at the stage where we're working with clients, getting them to help us to design or co-create the training program or the facilitation program, we can use facilitation skills. Rather than going in and saying, here's what we should do, we could ask better questions to help our client to shape their outcomes and perhaps the workshop as well. Exactly, yes. And I think that I began today by saying that the world is changing and the knowledge is not in the trainer or the teacher or, or the presenter. It is actually the audience tends to have lots of knowledge themselves. So you can, the more the, uh, the people have knowledge, the more you can use facilitation and combine it with your own ideas. So it sounds, to my mind, almost like group coaching in the sense that you might be knowledgeable about something, but you resist the temptation to impose your ideas on the group. You're helping by deflecting to the group what you're hearing, challenging, maybe probing, and getting them to think through things. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. And it is also interesting that that you men mentioned group coaching, which is uh, in the heart is very close to facilitation. Okay. So what's the difference? <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, that, that, is, that is actually, if we talk about facilitator and a coach, they both uh, would say that they are neutral. Yes. And they both would say they are running a process. When you look at it, actually, this is, they are very similar, but they use a little bit different tools. They have different practices, and I think that comes from the history. So I hope the coaches who are listening to me uh, don't kill me for saying them. I can talk about facilitation easily, but coaches, yes, I've talked a lot, a lot about this, actually, about with coaches. Yes, the, uh, the history of coaching, I think it comes from uh, a lot from therapy and from working with individuals. And the tools and ways of going, uh, finding, looking for the right question and uh, like uh, looking for deep questions, they, they look, it comes a lot from uh, work with individuals. And a uh, typical coach, uh, or at least many coaches that I know, they go and start with the group and, and uh, they come up with a couple of questions. They start to look for the questions, what is really happening. And with their questions, they go forward and try to get everyone involved. Whereas I would actually probably have a being less in the center of a group, using more group tools, using more small group discussion, probably having less questions. I would probably, my typical work, workshop process is I have six questions and my uh, workshop might take uh, one or two days, from one hour to a couple of days. So I would be using a lot more tools, processes, maybe less intuition, uh, yes, and less questions. So I'm thinking of the questions you've written here in, on page, I think, 173 of the book. The kinds of questions that someone could ask as a facilitator is something like, hey, that's quite the challenge. What do you think should happen next? Or 
wow, I can see that this is a struggle for you as a group. Can you think of any solutions? Or that's quite a tricky topic you've raised. Have you other ideas? Or how could you think about this in a new way? Or lastly, what a situation, what do you think you should do? So we're we're holding back that temptation. And in the story you talked about in, in Slovenia, where the people who were consultants trying to become certified facilitators, the reason they failed was that they couldn't remain neutral. That at some point they had this urge to share their expertise and talk from their experience to almost make themselves bigger than the group. But the facilitator is always someone who is at the same level of the group or even behind the group. They're not there to prioritize their own ideas. They're there to prioritize other people's ideas. That must be very hard for some people who are trainers and they're desperate to show how they know something and they've done something and they want to talk about something. But from what you're saying, the facilitators, the European Conference of Facilitation, people who allow or train or certify other people to become facilitators want people not to do that. They want them to show that they can restrain their thoughts and help other people to do the speaking, the thinking and the creating. If someone's listening to this and thinking, I would find that a struggle, what could we help people with to help them to talk less and to train less and to facilitate more even within a a training program? Yes, this is an interesting topic. I've uh, trained uh, probably some 15,000 facilitators, which is a lot. And uh, sometimes it's more difficult for a trainer to become a facilitator than for someone who has never worked with a group because uh, it's difficult when you being always an expert having the answers, it's difficult to change the role. To change your role, it's always the same thing in, in, the, in life. You have to do it consciously. First, try it. Evaluate what was happening. How did it go? It is all about trusting the group. The groups don't always have the right answer in the beginning. And uh, you just let them find their answers, even if they struggle. But when they find the answers, they typically, they're happy with it. And sometimes when I facilitated, I, in the end, I asked uh, the group that, hey, I doubt whether they found the right answer. And I go to them and say that, why did you choose this answer that I'm a little bit curious because I would have done different. And they typically always, they explain their situation, their point of view. And I think almost every time or every time their answer is as more logic than mine. And they wouldn't, if I, even if I told them my answer, they would not have uh, uh, chosen it in any way. Right. So we're looking here to show a little bit of modesty and to say, even as a trainer, even if I know this subject inside out, and you perhaps do listening to this, you never know how people will amaze you. They might just come up with something better than you, something that's more specific to them. So it's being humble, I guess, as a facilitator. It's being humble. And uh, sometimes it's true that you might have a better answer than the group. But it's still not the group solution, and they are not going to implement it as long as, as the group doesn't take ownership for your answer. So they might not be ready for the better answers yet. They might just be taking the first steps, and uh, you just have to trust the group that they are doing the best they can. So I think there's some danger here. If we're not clear up front with what we're going to do with the client, people might say, well, I was expecting you to tell us what to do. Instead, it sounds like you're asking us a bunch of questions. <laughs> We could do that ourselves. We brought you in to help us to change something, to implement something, to design something. But actually, all we've done today is is just run a talking shop. How can someone sell 
the value of facilitation to a client that pushes back and says, no, actually, I want you to tell us what to do. So this sounds like a familiar case. That's happened to me. My client wanted to create a culture of leadership, you know, kind of agree on what kind of leadership culture we want to have in this organization. And this, uh, I was facilitating this. And it was, it's all about, yes, you cannot really bring a culture from outside. You have to facilitate the culture. So uh, I start with the group. I explain, I thought I explained very clearly I'm a facilitator. Then I start asking them questions. And at some point, it becomes a big mess. You know, people are not happy. They wonder why they have to talk about this. And then I, we start, we stop and we start talking about it. And uh, one of the participants says that, that Pepe, we came, we came here to hear from you. What is good leadership? And you are asking us. So we uh, actually had to have a good talk about difference between training, facilitation, what we're really looking for. Sometimes the people are not ready for facilitation and you might actually have to give them some content. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point, Pepe. People sometimes do not know what they need and they don't feel something's right for them or even facilitation is the wrong thing at this point. It might even be uh, the wrong point. The people who don't know much about leadership, they actually might need a little bit leadership training to uh, even to develop a leadership culture. They might need some information to understand it better. Most of the people that I work with today, they uh, work in organizations. The organizations do lots of leadership training. They know all the key concepts. They have their own experience with leadership. And to develop their leadership, they, it would be, I think, in most of the cases, just asking them how do they want to develop their leadership, asking them to create their own goals and making solutions, it's more effective. So I think people listening to this today will have taken away quite a few things. We can certify as facilitators, and, and you gave a talk recently at the Facilitation Summit in 2021. That was back on October 15th, and quite a few of the people in my network were actually at that event. So for people who want to become facilitators and not just continue as trainers, or even be both, what would you say? Where would they go, and, and why should they become facilitators? All right. So uh, the first thing is that if you are a trainer and you also can, uh, if you can also be a good facilitator, the organization, I was just talking about leadership, that there are many leaders that actually uh, you can, instead of a training leadership, you could actually just do a workshop for them. So if I'm a trainer, I can do both. I can facilitate. Maybe the, the first is my first training is about what is leadership, what is good leadership. My second training, if I do long process, might be just a review, which is purely facilitation. That how is uh, what are the key challenges in my leadership today? Then about solutions and making a new action plan. So combining these things gives you more flexibility. You can make longer processes. First, you do a training, then you do a little bit of facilitation, a couple of workshops, then you might add into your process some coaching sessions for some of the leaders. It increases the quality of your training. And uh, yes, did you, Mark, also ask me what to do? Yeah, so uh, if I'm thinking if someone wants to become a certified facilitator, you gave that talk recently at the IAF event, the, uh, the Facilitation Summit. Where does someone go to become a formally certified facilitator? So to become a formally certified facilitator, it is uh, 
the IAF, it's the International Association of Facilitators, certifies professional facilitators. Also, uh, my company, Great People, we have a, a program of certified facilitators, which is endorsed by our local uh, government education bodies. So, uh, yeah, so there are companies, private companies offering that. I think first to become a facilitator, you need to learn the basic tools. So you take a training. There are many good companies offering good training with tools. Then the certification, you actually need to, to get feedback on your skills to see uh, how you are compared to others. And this is, uh, I think, the best learning event is certification. You see other people facilitate. You, uh, you facilitate yourself and you get feedback. And yes, so uh, definitely certification is good. And also it's important to have a good peer group, you know, people you can share Facilitation groups are difficult. Being a facilitator is much more difficult taking a, a group of people to a decision than a training. In training, you have more control. You have the content, you know what you're going to say. But when you ask the people, you never know what they're going to say. This is, that's why this job is fascinating. This is, uh, but also difficult. So sometimes you are not going to uh, succeed. You're going to need, uh, are going to have more difficult groups than in training. And you need to have a good, good colleagues to talk with, to give you therapy and to share ideas and ways of work. And I think there's huge value in, in facilitating, even if your discipline, your normal way of approaching work with clients is to do most of the talking or to give them some cleverly and clearly constructed program. I think there's huge value in trying facilitation more because you often come away thinking, hey, there's something I've learned from the group. I've been paid to deliver this work. But having facilitated this group today, I can see I've learned something from the way they do things or why they do things. And you're a better trainer for that. So if we're doing all the talking, if we're doing all the the design ourselves, if all the work comes from us, we're missing a huge amount of input and we can increase our value as as trainers or as consultants when we just facilitate more because we're getting we're getting learning we're le- learning from the group that we're actually working with and there's always the possibility in fact there is the possibility that people will say something that makes you think differently about what you do as a profession and i think when people are willing to be open as trainers as consultants that can only help our expertise and our our brand exactly Yes, it was interesting. I was thinking about learning because I uh, worry about the group all the time. When I work with the group, I worry about the group. I, I look at the, is it, uh, they're having difficulties making decisions, what's happening in the group. But I don't pay too much attention to the content. So after a workshop, I might remember what was happening with the group. How was the group interacting? What were the tools I was using? in this workshop. But I typically don't remember, even remember the content and what were the decisions of the group. So I'm probably bad in learning. <laughs> I just pay attention to the, to the group interaction and, and I learn from that, yes. Okay, so what is the next step for you? I mean, wh- what's ahead in 2022, just around the corner in terms of business and client work for the great people? Well, these have been interesting. Uh, we are... Uh, Originally, a Finnish company, actually, I started uh, the company with my uh, colleague from London. Yes, Greg O'Shea. Yes, we uh, started the company together. 
but in Finland, and uh, we've been going to the east. This has been difficult years because uh, we have business, lots of business in uh, in China. We have business in Japan. We have business in Russia, Ukraine. So I'm uh, we've been not been able to visit our partners, our friends, our clients. So uh, I 2022. I'm looking forward to get rid of this covid restrictions and traveling again and having an open world and and being facilitate and facilitating and and uh, not only virtually but face to face so i'm not sure if this mark was to answer you uh expected what's in front of in facilitation so uh i think we are we're hoping to go at least halfway back to the good old face to face and seeing people and being with people yeah, I think facilitation is something that definitely benefits from face-to-face interaction. Hard to run it remotely to the same level. We were lucky when the COVID came. I wrote a book on uh, virtual facilitation on uh, some 10, 15 years ago. Uh, and we actually had virtual facilitation training all the time, for a long time, you know, since 2000. So when COVID came, um, our business went up. We got more business, training virtual facilitators, how to do good workshop, how to make decisions virtually. But still, you know, even though we think we can create good interaction, we can make good decisions virtually, I still miss the people and seeing their faces. Yeah, I would too. Where can people find out more about you, Pepe? Uh, thank you for asking. The, the best, best way is, uh, if this is my chance, we have a website, greatpeople.com. There is... Uh, my new book that I'm, uh, yes, 460 pages, Handbook of Professional Facilitation, Theory, Tools, and Design. And that is uh, just out. It has all the major facilitation tools and also a little theory and philosophy, how to make good decisions, group decisions. It's, there's a lot about designing workshops. And that's available on Amazon. That's available on Amazon, yes. Okay. Pepe, thank you so much for being my guest today on the show. I find the topic of facilitation fascinating and it's something I'm going to do more of next year. I'm going to try and talk less and and facilitate more, get people to do the thinking so I can learn stuff from them, not just they from me. All right. Yes, this has been, uh, Mark, a great pleasure and an honor. A huge thanks to Pepe Numi for being my guest today on the show. And you, I think you've got loads from that. I did too. Learned all about the context of facilitation, which kinds of work are, I suppose, obvious vehicles for facilitation, when to apply facilitation. And it's really clear to me now, and I hope it is to you, when facilitation is actually the right intervention when helping our clients. But you can visit Grape People, G-R-A-P-E, like grapepeople.com to find out more details about Pepe, the company, and of course, Pepe's book. And I'll mention those in the show notes and add that address to the website, www.trainingbusiness.com. Thanks for your time today. And I'd love to know that you're finding value in the show. So please email me directly. That's mark at trainingbusiness.com. If there's some question which you'd like answered, or even if you have simply suggestions for guests and topics for future episodes of the show. Speaking of which, you will find all episodes past, present and future on your podcast platform of choice. Can I therefore ask you please to subscribe because this validates what we do and it lets me know exactly what you're finding value in. Please share this with other trainers, people who are currently in 
the business of facilitation, coaching, and training. And of course, let me know what you think. I'd love to get feedback from you. You can reach me again via mark at trainingbusiness.com. I read emails personally and reply individually. Until next Thursday, keep going, keep training, and bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.